Three, two, one. For moments crowded with laughter, listen to this show. Then you'll be happier after when off to work you go. All the cares throughout the day will dwindle away, and you will say the day is happier after the show. All right, everybody, we are here with our Halloween special episode. <laughs> this is the first time that we've ever purposefully read the same thing to talk about on the podcast. Usually we're just uh, reading or watching or listening or whatever to whatever we feel like and then sharing it with each other. Um, but the other day, it was like a week and a half ago, I want to say, maybe uh-huh. two weeks ago, I can't remember now, uh, I was looking around and... I had seen Dark Horse tweet something about they were selling a digital collection of Colin Bunn and Tyler Crook's Harrow County, uh, and you could buy buy it digitally from Dark Horse for twenty bucks. the The whole series in preparation of the release of Volume Four of uh, of the the library editions that they're putting out of them. Mm-hmm. So each library edition, it looks like, is basically two trades collected together in a nicer hardcover. And so I saw that, and I, I had texted you. I said, I'm tempted to to grab this because I had been hearing about Harrow County, and I already liked Colin Bunn. Uh, Jay Fabre, who you may know from doing some uh, artwork for Valiant, mm-hmm. uh, she actually recommended uh, the Sixth Gun, which was cool. I don't remember who the artist was. Uh, that was released by Boom, I believe. Uh, and I read a couple volumes of that, and it was good. And I had read some of his other stuff here and there and liked it. And then all of a sudden, uh, a handful of friends of ours, and I think Ronnie st- uh, stands out the most as the most vocal, um, of our friends who loved... Colin Bunn in Harrow County once they I think it was when they discovered Harrow County that really turned them on to him and then he's been doing a lot of other stuff they've been digging too um, but so we've, we've had friends that have just been you know heavily touting his work since they discovered certain aspects of it so I've been interested in reading Harrow County um, it's funny this really got me thinking too I usually when, when horror comes up I usually always go with the default like I don't really care for horror because I don't really care for the the most, I guess, like, baseline of what people think of as horror, which is, like, the gory, you know, like, uh, excessive type of horror. I think that's mm-hmm. what most people think of first. Like, if you think of a horror movie, you're not thinking of The Shining. You're thinking of uh, Saw or something like that, you know? Yeah, yeah. In most recent times, yeah. Yeah, and, like, I, I've never seen Saw. I've never really watched, like, Friday the 13th or Nightmare on Elm Street, any of those movies. Like, I've never been a, ha- a fan of those types of, of horror movies. But the uh, the more kind of, uh, I guess, like, cerebral horror stuff, I actually, like, this just really confirmed with me. I actually really dig that type of horror. Yeah. Because there's so many layers to it. And um, I was really impressed with, uh, with Harrow County. Uh, just starting off from the beginning, I had read almost the first trade. Uh, I'd read, uh, I think I was into the fourth issue, reading it a while back, just kind of testing it out. And I, I don't know why I didn't quite finish the fourth issue, but even just reading the beginning like that and getting just a taste of it, it's like this is pretty good. You know, a lot of, um, a lot of clever, creepy stuff, not just, you know, 
blatant, obvious stuff. Uh, what was your first impression of it? Oh, I, I'm kind of like you. So like that gory kind of horror stuff is kind of off-putting. And at, my first reaction was there's a character in it. The it kind of threw me off when there's a this about a little girl named uh, uh, Emmy, and she's walking in the woods and she finds this the skin of a little boy. I'm like, oh, okay, this is this is what this is gonna be. And by the end of it. That ended up being one of my favorite characters was her little buddy that she carried around in a a messenger bag and the skinless Uh boy um, that uh, was associated with the the, the skin. The the skin spoke and I guess the skinless boy kind of became her her guardian, her familiar. And uh, I I loved it. Cullen Bunn, he's a good writer. I'd read the Six Gun books. Um, and some other stuff by um, before, and you know, I'm not, horror. When you say horror, is I always have like a negative connotation because of the movies, like you've talked about. Yeah. But reading it, it's he's just a darn good writer. Is all of there is to it, and then you combine that to Tyler Crook's uh, art. It's yeah, just and art just definitely amazing. was a big aspect of uh, Harrow County. Another thing I love about it is the way. A lot of good storytelling does. You think you know what's going on, and you're constantly being um, surprised by what the actual truth is throughout the throughout the entire what eight volumes of trades. There's always another surprise waiting for you, which is another good sign of a storyteller because he's you know he's leading up to to the the big final showdown and uh, a lot of surprises. Um, because it all goes back to this, that witch Hester that uh, the people of Harrow County had killed and bur- or put in a buried by a tree. And then, you know, they find these two little girls. It's just really, it's just a really good story uh, yeah. throughout. Yeah, they did a good job of, uh, you kept on thinking you kind of knew what true north of the story was. Like, you know. The, these events are going ar- around, but like this is the the part that is the part that we know. We know that Emmy is like this witch reborn. She has the power, but she doesn't have the same heart as Hester did. Um, but then partway through the series, you get that turned on its head when you learn more about it. And w- what really sold me on this um, too, as you go into it further, is when I realized that. Uh, that they were really building a mythology here, mm-hmm. not just telling a kind of a flat story. Like the mythology they built was really fantastic with the family and the the complexity of things. And yeah, um, you know the 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 family are these um like uh not not godlike creatures, but they're they're outside of humanity. They're they're uh like. Kind of like the endless in Sandman. Um, yeah, you know, they're they're eternal beings, even though that's not always as black and white as you would think it might be. Um, another friend of ours, Travis, mentioned that there were things about this that reminded him of the IDW Ninja Turtle series. And when I started getting the hint of this um, this mythology with the family, I was like, heck yeah, this is just like the Pantheon and the Ninja Turtles, where you have the Rat King and Kitsune and okay. um, and all the other ones that uh, it was the same thing. They were this um, 
they were these beings that they're not gods, but they're they're outside of humanity. They're playing games with humanity, mm-hmm. and that's basically what they do. And some of them are a little more be- benevolent. Some of them are a little more mischievous or just downright cruel. Um, but like that, those elements added into that Ninja Turtles series gave it a lot more depth. And it, um, I mean, Rat King is a character that goes back to the original cartoon and is an interesting character. Uh, you know, even in his first form, even if he was a little bit more simple. So to bring him in and give him more meaning like they did when, uh, you know, they, they built the Pantheon in the current Ninja Turtle series, um, it, just like it added so much, like it really added like dimensions that went through broad scopes of time through dimension, uh, in a way like in Harrow County, there's that house that they can conjure for a meeting place when there's great. Yeah. Um, in the Ninja Turtles, the Pantheon have different ways to, uh, to interact with each other. Um, and yeah, just like, uh, I was like, I see what he means now. Cause he said that I was like, I'm sure he knows what he's talking about, but just from the little bit I had read, I was like, I have no clue what's going to be like that. But then as soon as I saw, I was like, Oh, yep. I see exactly what he's talking about. Uh, that was, that, that was a big point for me. Um, you mentioned right off the bat in the beginning, the skinless boy. Yeah. Um, when I was first reading, I was like, this is weird. But then the way the character was presented pretty quickly, I was like, okay, this is the kind of, um, Quirky's not quite the right word. It's not quirky. It's not um like kind of simple and like you think quirky, you think kind of lighthearted and um you know, oh that's clever. This isn't that. This is like uh there's more complexity to it than than you would expect when you first see it. And you're just like, "Oh, well this is kind of horrific. That little boy is running into uh the woods and his skin got ripped off. That sounds bad." Um gosh, but uh <laughs> then you get to start to see the characters and like the, the skin is one character. The body that's out of the skin is another character. Yeah. And they're supposed to be the same, you know, the, the same being, but, but they're they, kind of two different beings that also like are the, are the one, you know? Yeah. There, there, there's a, there's a separation in the two. Um, the, 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 the skin, kind of acts as a mouthpiece for what he see he he conveys what the skinless boy sees but the skinless boy also acts independently of this what the skin is you know doing or wanting to do and it's just kind of i mean to see to see this ever as like a i'd heard this was a had been picked up for a possible tv show a couple of years back to see this in live action would be really creepy because the, like the skin can still kind of move around the room. She'll leave it in the room when she's out working with her paw on the farm or helping people in the county. Um, yeah, but that, that, that was a really, I ended up loving that <laughs> as a side character, a supporting character. I ended up loving that one, uh, just about as much as any of the, of the main characters. Um, there's, there's Emmy and then she has a friend named Bernice. And I also like that side story, um, with the hedge, witch, um, uh, lady lovey and Bernice yeah. meets her and she's a, she's supposed to be like, she's feared by everybody in the County also as a witch, but in truth, yeah, it's just like, there's everything you think is not necessarily true. And there's a lot of like conflicts and resolutions throughout the story. They do really good. And for people who haven't read it, 
the it's set in Harrow County and in the south, and I'm presuming it's in Missouri because that's where I think Cullen lives. And uh, so, yeah. and you know there are haints, which is a southern term for for ghosts, and they're like goblins, and they're like these bird-like creatures with faces that can fly around and torment, kind of like and witches and goblins, and there's a little goblin named Priscilla. That ends up being yeah. kind of a cute And when you first meet them, they're like horrific. It's like, oh, God, this is disgusting. But Emmy's like, no, they're okay. They're just misunderstood, you know, um, and which is not something that you would expect from uh, the evil witch that she's supposedly to be the reincarnation of. Um, and there's another character that was really an ominous one at the very beginning. It's almost like a demonic looking being. And I think it's referred to as. And uh, as I don't know if they ever call it this, but he's abandoned. He's the one that was really upset when he first sees Emmy for having abandoned him, never come to see him, and all these yeah, years. Yeah, they use different terms throughout to refer to him, and by later on you realize who he actually is. Which is a huge, I mean, that's an entire volume. Um, there are eight volumes, yeah. and each volume has like a big story arc leading to the to the final part. And yeah, there's a big reveal in each one. Um and he, he was a really interesting one. Surprisingly, that was a that was a really surprising twist in the story to me. I, I didn't see that coming at all. Yeah, and you know it's funny, like uh, when you get to the end of the story and you find out the things that uh, that Emmy had to do or thought she had to do to uh, to battle the the battle she had to you know fight. Uh, that whole volume also kind of showcased more aspects of uh like what it actually means to take that step that she took yeah because uh, that's how uh the abandon when you put the pieces together of who that actually is that's that's how they got there um is by doing the same thing that emmy had to do the same thing that uh that hester did to get her power uh the the just the layers that like the way they built stuff um, you know, they build up, uh, like Bernice. She meets this, uh, this, like, snake witch lady who, you know, everybody thinks is bad, but it turns out that she's actually trying to protect people. And Bernice learns about that and the, all the details. And she learned how to do this from somebody. Somebody, yeah. And, which uh, is, yeah, that's revealed and that's a big twist. Yeah, so like you, you, but you build it up before you know who taught her, and the fact that she used that all as a manipulation to screw with somebody else. Yep. Um, but you, you start off, you know, seeing her being, you know, she, she's doing this role to protect people, and then she teaches it to Bernice, uh, and then Bernice is taking that and using the knowledge that she's learned to protect people. And so you're just like, yeah, you know, this is something that's it's necessary, it's good, and you keep going with this. You're like, you know, this is uh, it creates some conflict, and but you know, it's like, okay, they're trying to do something good, and you keep going with it, and then you get to here, like, man, this was all literally just to try to manipulate the game that these beings are trying to play with mm-hmm. uh, with the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But one of the one of the things I found out when I saw that about the library editions, one thing missing in the trades are these, there, there are tales of Harrow County. They're like a little mini backup stories that were in each in, uh, individual issue. 
Oh, really? That weren't included in the trade. And I think, if I'm not misstating this, from what I read, the library editions, like you said, are really, like I think, hardcover, two volumes in one. There's a total of four, so out of eight, yeah, that'd be right. And I think it includes those, which I kind of, I really would like to, to have seen. But the cool thing is, um, apparently, after the season, the series ended, it had 32 total issues. Uh, did you see the announcement? It came out in September. I think I saw it. And I just didn't think about it because I hadn't read Harrow County and it wasn't really on my radar to read. I knew I was going to get into some more Cullen Bun someday. I just hadn't got around to it. And then you gave me the impetus to let's get going on this. Um, he's coming back in, I think it's November. I think it's next month or this coming month and uh, or December. I think it's November, though. Tales from Harrow County. They're restarting with more tales. Yeah, I don't think that was on my radar until we started talking about this. And uh, I think Ronnie chimed in and mentioned that it was good for us to do this to be ready for that. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Because even, uh, did you read the author note at the end of volume eight where he's like, he's, he kind of leaves it open that, you know, he could go back and see, you get to see more of what Bernice is doing um, in Harrow County afterwards because things aren't just, you know, all, ha- it's not like everything's just, going to be fine um, because there are always going to be problems there. Um, there could be problems there because there's a world there where magic is real and otherworldly creatures exist. And just because, well, don't want to say some things happen just because some certain things happen doesn't mean other things couldn't happen from uh, some influential beings later on. Um, and then, you know, I'd love to see what, what does Emmy do when she, cause oh, well, dang it. Should I say that? I don't want to spoil. Never mind. Stephen, I watched an interview with Stephen King. He says, screw spoil, spoilers. Don't be such a sissy. Just, if you, it, a spoil, there is no such thing as a spoiler. It's about the work. And if you're going to read the work, it doesn't matter if it's been spoiled a little bit for you or not, but I don't want to spoil it. Let's just say that there's a lot that could be, I think he could, he, he's so creative and such a good writer. I think he could just do all kinds of things with this, this theme that he started here. Yeah. There's definitely plenty of doors left open and, you know, paths to follow. Uh, let alone following the the major characters that are left, but you know what about all the the haints and yeah, I mean yeah. you could tell tons of stories just telling a story from the perspective of a, of a haint. You know, I mean there's a yeah. lot of interesting characters that were that, that's one of the things that made it so compelling is seeing some of the characters like you know right early on in that first trade when she's running around in the woods, you see you know the the skinless boy and you see these ghosts that look like skeletons on fire. Yeah. Um, but they, you know, one of, one of the things that keeps it good is that you don't, they, they don't expose everything. There's that, uh, element of mystery. Mm-hmm. Um, but they can still do stories around, uh, these, these creatures and tell a story about them, but still keep that mystery and like make it something creepy. Like, like reading a ghost story, you know? You read a ghost story, it's a, you know, about a ghost, but it's not revealing every secret. So now there's no mystery to it. So then it doesn't feel like much of anything. Mm-hmm. You got to keep the mystery to keep the, the characters, um, I guess like in the, that element of intimidation of something creepy that you don't have an answer to, you know? Yeah. You, you brought up something. I've brought this up before, but I, I think that's kind of the cornerstone of a lot of good storytelling is the aspect of mystery. Even if it's not a mystery story or novel, 
Um, lots of good stories. There's that. There's that. What's going on, and what's be, and it gets revealed later on. Um, for example, uh, I uh, I watched a panel of science fiction fantasy authors at a some uh, Comic Con or something a while back uh, a couple of days ago, and they were somebody was asked there's a Q and A, and the guys said, "How do you keep your stories compelling? Or what do you what do you suggest to, to, to how do you learn how to make things?" interesting stay interesting he said and one of the guys named larry correa said uh go read some mystery novels because mystery novels are built on keeping you interested and suspense and keeping the story moving along towards a resolution but keeping you interested because you don't know what's happening um which i thought was really interesting and i know a lot of the books i've loved all I love a lot is there's always an aspect of some kind of mystery without it being like a detective mystery or something like that. Yeah. And then what makes the difference, I think with, uh, with a mystery that's compelling like that going from just being a good, compelling story to being something more is when you can know what's going to happen because you've read it and read it again. And you just, you enjoy being in the story. So yeah. it's not just the, the element of the unknown or the element of surprise that that keeps you there. It's the experiencing the the world that you're in when you're reading it. That's that's definitely how I felt about Harrow County. You you want to see the characters. I you read, want to, uh, yeah. I read the first four tra- trades in the the first day I got them. Yeah, uh, I I blew through four of them. Uh, I was off that day, uh, but. I still like I I don't normally read that many comics in a day. Like I I talk to some other people and I'm blown away. Somebody was talking to and they're like, well, you know, I get kind of busy and stuff, but I try to read at least I forget what they say, like ten or fourteen comics a day. Yeah, I was like, I I I might read a comic a day, sometimes mm-hmm. a couple. Um, it's rare that I really read more than that because I just I have so many uh, draws on my time, but also when I get tired, I don't want to just pound through comics necessarily, but you yeah. find the right thing or the right thing at the right time. And you know, it, it wasn't too much effort to read 16 issues of Harrow County. It took me a little bit longer to read the rest of it. Um, even though I was still enjoying it, it's just like that in the initial like fervor to just, ah, oh, I want more. I want more. Kept me going with it. Yeah, and that just the, everything we just were talking about is the, about the how you are happy, and I can see myself going back soon. Um, maybe not next month, but I, in the next year, I can see myself going back and reading these all again, just because I love the world, I love the story, I love the characters, and 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 not just and and the art and the way it's depicted, and you know, and that just goes to how good a writer. Cullen is it's not just that he's a good comic writer he's just a good storyteller he knows how to tell a story um that's in six gun um and some other stuff that i've read of his and it's definitely in this he just knows how to tell a story and keep you interested character is strong um this the, the actual world that he builds is really strong and uh and the way he he unfolds it is just it's just a he's good you know, you know, he's writing for Valiant now, and I've yeah. really enjoyed what I little I'm behind, of course, because I'm always behind. But um, I've really I'm enjoyed what he's done there. Fine on Valiant, <laughs> <laughs> but he's done good work. You know, he's done some good work. He did some Punk Mambo, um, and uh, 
yeah, he's a, he's really moving along. Doing yeah, I saw good he's stuff. doing Roku now, right? Uh, yeah, that's why I saw that announcement. Yeah, yeah. I'll be interested in that because I really liked the character of Roku when she was introduced in in Ninjak. Um, and that was a good deal because she was very mysterious. And then later, like, as that run kept going and it started feeling like it was uh, losing its focus, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, it was starting to feel like just uh, – it, it was that time where – I don't really know what Valiant's like now. But um, it was that time where it felt like everybody that really wanted to be there was starting to – not want to be there and was just starting to tread water. Um, you, you just didn't feel the same kind of thing from the creators. Um, but Roku suddenly just got really, it's just like she got all exposed. Like it, all the, all the mystery was gone and she didn't feel like the same character. And then they start, you know, she started being used in other ways by other creators and, and other, you know, stories and Valiant and whatever. And just felt like it really, um, Diluted the character from what it was. So I'm really interested to see what Colin Bunn will do with her character. Mm-hmm. Uh, since we've just been talking about how good he is at, you know, creating mystery while giving you details. You know, it's like the exposing stuff and not having you feel like you know everything because uh, you're being exposed to it. That's like, um, I just finished reading the second trade of Gideon Falls. Oh, yeah. And that's the story. That's uh, Jeff Lemire writing it. Um, Andrea Sor- uh, Sorrentino is the artist. Yeah, yeah. Uh, great, great series. Like that's uh, been optioned for a TV show, I guess. Uh, and I think Dinesh's company is involved in that, which is yeah, pretty cool. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the more you, the more you find out in Harrow, or not Harrow. Sorry, the more you find out in Gideon Falls, the less you know what's going on. The more confusing everything gets. Yeah, yeah. That's another one. It's just like, as you go through the story, it's already confusing as hell when you begin it. But as it goes on, it's like, you start learning things, but then it's like, what the heck is going on? And I'm I'm farther ahead than you in it, but it's still at the same time, it's like, where where is this going? Because the art, and that's another one of the art is just so compelling that you just got to love it. Um, I, I've spoke highly of Sorrentino's art before and that, that, that like he almost steals the, pretty much does steal the show from the story. Even just some of his art is just so amazing, you know, that, yeah, that's another yeah. good book. And it's, it's just another fitting Halloween's Halloween book because it's just kind of, it's some, got some grim stuff in it, man. Yeah. Yeah, different kinds of horror movies. You got Harrow County's like the, you know, scary spooks and um Gideon Falls is more like along the lines of a movie like Seven, I guess. You know, like you don't know what's going on, something's wrong, somebody's doing something wrong, people's lives are getting screwed up. Crazy stuff. Yeah, yeah. Let's see. Yeah, Roku number one was solicited in October. So that should be coming out soon then. No, it came out on October 30th. Okay. Oh, so it's already out. Oh, yeah. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. This is timely. Yeah, <laughs> Roku comes out. So go pick up Roku. Um, that's got art by Ramon F. Box. I don't know that artist. 
Yeah, that, that, what I'll do is Valiant eventually. Like, I know I want to read The Life and Death of Toya Harada. Um, I'll pick those up in, in trades at some point rather than like try to grab the issues. Uh, I le- I lost all my momentum reading them, uh, for a variety of factors. But there's definitely some stuff that still like I look at and it, it looks interesting. So, um, well, a good way to get caught up with, uh, will be something I'll check out too. Man, good way to get if you if you ever uh, I don't know if you have a Comicsology Unlimited uh, account now, but if you ever do pick it up again, Valiant puts almost everything out in a pretty regular fashion on Comicsology Unlimited, so you can get caught up on lots of stories pretty quick just through that because we both know they don't put out a lot of books a month, um, and you don't have to necessarily read every book. But yeah, the life. Of, uh, I have read the life of Toyo Harada, and um, um, Dice are really knocked it out of the park with that. Um, on a, another side note, before we uh, continue on kind of Halloween themes, kind of things, did you happen to see the Bloodshot trailer that got dropped last week? Yeah, I had to watch that. It definitely piqued my interest as uh, somebody who was so into Valiant. Yeah. It's cool to see that. Like, I'll, I'll hopefully I'll go see it in the movie theater. Like, I'm not diehard Valiant now like I was to where, no. you know, uh, two years ago, I definitely would have been there opening day to see it. And I, I don't go to the theater that often, so that's saying a lot for me. Um, but it's like, you know, something I invested so much interest into. Like, it's just cool to see it in a movie. I asked, uh, I asked my LCS what he thought about it to get a perspective of somebody who's not a Valiant fan, you know, read some yeah. Valiant stuff, whatever, but, uh, you know, is aware cause he runs a comic shop, so he keeps himself aware of what's up, but I asked him what he thought and he just said it looks like a generic action movie. Oh, so, you know, okay. N- nothing stood out to him as special about it. I was like, that makes sense. I mean, especially, especially in the, what was shown in that preview, it's, a very stereotypical story. And if you don't know, like for us, knowing the story of bloodshot, we can read a lot more into the details and get excited about it. Right. But if you're just on the outside looking in, um, you know, from his angle, it just looks like run of the mill, whatever. Another interesting angle, as was uh, told to me by somebody I work with who, uh, they're not into Valiant, but they're into action movies. Mm-hmm. And somebody they know uh, asked them, like, oh, hey, did you see that Bloodshot preview? And they were interested in it. So people who are just in action movies, it's like yeah, it's on their radar. So th- that to me was interesting, you know, kind of seeing the different ways that uh, it might appeal to people or, you know, not be interesting to people. Well, I shared it with my cousin Dave and Steve, who have no interest in Valiant, and they were psyched about it. They They were like... I'm definitely going to see this just because it looks cool. You know, it has a, the, the whole story, the premise, um, about how there's this guy who wants revenge for the death of his wife. That's, I mean, that's the Punisher, right? Um, yeah. but then you, you take the Punisher and you mix him into a guy that's died in military and has been filled with these little tiny, uh, molecular robot robots that can rebuild him um to me that that's an interesting story an interesting take on it and i, I mean i hope people i hope people enjoy it because i'd like to see 
I still would like to see them to to get to do more. Um, and I mean, you know, the production looked good, but other than that, uh, yeah, yeah, we'll it's a, it's a wait and see because I still think it's going to be another year or two before it's actually released. Yeah, it's good to see that that it's actually going to happen though. But uh, I, I did see a movie that's a horror movie um, in the theater because my daughter wanted to go see it and uh, my wife wanted to go see it. And it was uh, The Joker. And uh, man, <laughs> that 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 movie is a uh, that's something else. It, it, it was a uh, Joaquin Phoenix to me was amazing. And I know it's got a lot of there's been a lot of and I, I don't. I don't really give a damn what anybody else thinks. This is this is my take on it. It was an extremely well made movie for a, not very much money, um, and just the story, whether you're interested in comic books or not, is an interesting story. But it is also horrific because of the things that happen in it. Um, performances are amazing, um, but it, it's, I left that movie feeling like, man, I need to go take a bath because this. Well, I need to go wash my brain out because this is this is rough. Um, <laughs> really really rough um and, you know I, and i like i said i don't care what other people think i've heard seen a lot of negativity comments about it but and i don't know where it comes from because i don't care i don't want to I, I don't know if it's because it doesn't it's not true to the comics or it's not it's not my joker you know that whole thing so but i, I will say it's just a really well-made movie but it is hard it's got some really violent stuff in it of course and uh yeah, that's a good one. I've you know I've heard the way I've heard people talk about it. I've heard quite a few people say strongly positive things like you did about it. I've of course seen a lot of people complain about it, but those just are in one ear out the other. Uh, the one that is not positive that stood out to me is uh, my cousin Mike actually, who uh, went inside and was just like, "It's not really worth seeing." Really? So he didn't. He wasn't. You know, he wasn't being negative about it the way that you see people usually be negative about it. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like you said, that it's not my Joker. This isn't what it's supposed to be. Whatever that you know, people who have no claim to something, right, make that claim. He just, I, yeah, d- didn't didn't find it worth going to see. It wasn't so. for him, like, well, and I respect yeah. him. I respect his opinion. But then there's on the other hand, there's our buddy Jay who went and saw it twice, I think in the same week. And I had a little conversation about him with it. And he, I mean, it, it, you know, everybody's different, but for him, it hit him exactly the same way. It hit me that this is, uh, for us, for the two of us, I'll speak for him. Cause he pretty much told me it, it was, it was just a, for him, it was really amazing. It was amazing enough for him to go back because you're talking about mystery. There are so many twists in it, um, that you don't, necessarily know what's happening and what's about to happen. And I, I, I don't want to spoil, I definitely don't want to spoil on this one, but it's definitely worth, it's one I would, I, I need to go watch again, just like he did, because there are some things that are like, wait, what, what did that mean? Um, I'm trying to be as, uh, vague as possible. So which makes, doesn't make much sense, but if you ever get a chance to watch it, you'll see what I'm talking about, especially, uh, when you get to the very end. Um, so that, that was yeah. interesting. Yeah. I'm interested to see it. I, I doubt I'll end up getting to go see it in the theater, but that'll be one that when it comes, uh, comes out on, you know, where I can rent on red box or whatnot, I'll probably grab it right away. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. I don't think I've seen any movies lately. Nothing stands out. Still been working on, on watching Zatoichi. Uh, but other than that, I haven't been, been watching many movies. Spent a lot of time reading Haruki. So I, uh, I got a month of Marvel Unlimited. Yeah. That I got from redeeming points. You get points when you go online and use the digital codes. You can also watch videos, read articles, stuff like that on the, the website to get points. So I just, over time, have been accruing up points, and sometimes I'll hop on there and I'll, like, click on some of the articles to accrue up some points, and I got enough to redeem for a month of Marvel Unlimited. So I was like, okay, I'm going to redeem this, but I wanted to uh, finish up some other stuff first or whatever, and I wanted to get it so I could start reading X-Men again. I couldn't even remember where I left off on it. So I finally redeemed it and figured out where I was with X-Men. And read like a handful of issues and got up to the Inferno storyline. But I had purchased a trade of Inferno on Comixology for real cheap, cheap that crosses over not just with the X-Men, but with the other titles that were involved in the story. So I basically read a few issues of the X-Men and then I jumped off of Marvel Unlimited and I've been reading it on Comixology, but then I started reading Hero County. So now by the time it's all said and done, I probably did a month of Marvel Unlimited to read a handful of issues of the X-Men. Hmm. And then uh, yeah, I got a month of, of Comixology Unlimited because the deal that we ended up using to get uh, both of us to get Harrow County, I had seen the one that Dark Horse was doing, but then you mentioned that it was on sale on Comixology. And uh, I went and took a look, and they were doing one of the things they do where if you get Comixology Unlimited, sometimes they'll have special offers where you get 50% off a certain publisher. Mm-hmm. And they were doing that for Dark Horse. That's why we got it for so cheap is it was on sale for 5 bucks a trade. But then the first three trades were on Comixology Unlimited, so you could read them just with the membership. But then with the membership, we got 50% off the rest of the trade. So I spent 6 bucks for a month of the membership. And then I spent another twelve fifty for the volumes four through eight of the trade or of the the series, you know, in trade form. Um, so now I have Comicsology, Comicsology Unlimited too, and I haven't utilized that for anything but Harrow County. Yeah, but you know what? It's all been worth it because I'm reading what I want to read. Yeah, exactly. It yeah, feels no. nice to do that. I'm. I think no I'm pressure. about two fifths or uh, maybe almost halfway through the inferno trade and i think once i get done with that if uh my comic solid or i'm sorry if my marvel unlimited is uh is running out of time i have quite a few issues of the x-men and i'll probably start uh trying to fill the gaps to read the physical copies that i have instead of uh keeping marvel unlimited to read digital and that'll also give me a way to build my collection but then also like use my collection yeah yeah so i think that'll be my next step that's fun sit down and actually read the things you've been picking up yeah that's good stuff yeah i did watch a couple of movies this last week that i regret watching my (laughs) Uh, they're definitely horror related one of my, my oldest daughter wanted us to watch this movie called midsummer is out on a DVD and streaming now for rental. And I don't know if you ever heard of an old movie called was Dustin. Uh, I think uh, it's Dustin Hoffman called the wicker man. And then it was a remade by with, I think Nicholas cage later on. I've, I've heard of it. 
And yeah, basically, basically, it's a guy who goes and visits this, this remote. I think in that story, it's in England, maybe. Uh, this remote community and ends up there like a pagan pagan religion and it ends up being sucked into uh, being involved with like pagan sacrifice and all this stuff. Well, basically, this is a in my head, the way I'm going to explain it, it's, it's a retelling of that. Um, and the first five minutes of the movie were truly horrific in, in itself, just because of real life things that happens to this young woman. And then following that, there's a Swedish, they're grad students in college in America, but there was a Swedish grad student who's going home and he's invited his three buddies to go with him for an important, um, cultural thing that they're observing at midsummer and they get there and she ends up going along because she suffered this traumatic event and she wants to be near her boyfriend and uh and it you know it had this and it's a really well-made movie i'm not going to knock it for that and the acting was all great but it just wasn't my kind of story because by the end of it i just felt empty and hollow and like i wish i had never seen any of this stuff that happened because of the end of it is just it's just a brutal beating and just the, like the gore factor. There are some really gratuitous, disgusting things that happen at one point near the middle of the movie. And I just couldn't take it. So, you know, I hated it. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I could have loved it. And I'm sure a lot of people did because I think it's got a lot of acclaim. And, and it's, for what it is, if you're into that and you don't mind it, if it's, if it's for you, it's, it's, it's a really good movie. I don't think you'd like it. Um, but I'm sure a lot of people would. And so I'm not gonna I'm not knocking it for that that away. I'm just saying for me, it's not some, this kind of story I want to watch. So of course we go back the next night because one of the previews was for another movie called Hereditary that had been made by the same people, I think the same writer and director, the previous year, 2018. So we go and watch it, and it's more of a kind of a ghost story or something like that involving a, a single family in America, and it was. Uh, it was also, I, I think I enjoyed it a little bit more, but the end of it was also just this is another, uh, just went really nuts and just kind of lost me at the very end. And there, like the last quarter of the movie is like, Oh my God, I don't want to watch any more of this. I can't, I can't. So, uh, so that's how you tell a story without spoiling. I just, I just <laughs> didn't spoil anything, but I was like, don't either watch it or don't. I mean, it's, it's got some horrific stuff in it. And it, like I said, again, it's well made. The acting is top notch. Everybody in it, it's, it's got Gabriel Byrne in it. I can't remember the lead actress. She's really good. Um, in it, uh, it's, it's just about a, it's a, it's another one. It involves witchcraft and, uh, uh, worship and uh, raising of demons and stuff like that. And of course, no one in the movie believes in it until spoiler at the end, they definitely believe in it because it's a, it's all a machination of some other outside people that have been watching them and trying to get this to happen in a long time. And it's another, it's like not for me, but I guess it was, I guess a lot of people that love that kind of stuff really enjoyed it. You know, my seven year old son has been, um, asking questions about horror movies because mostly because of seeing pop vinyls of different horror movie characters. So he'll ask about, um, it and Friday the 13th and like, you know, all, all those, uh, kind of classic ones. Um, 
And it's so funny because, like, he sees the pop vinyls and he's interested in them because they're interesting looking characters. He knows they're creepy and scary characters. Mm hmm. And, but he'll start asking questions and it's like, we're not, we can't tell you like, and I'll tell him, I, I don't watch those movies. I don't know anything about them because I don't want to watch them. You're not going to watch them. If it, like, he'll just keep asking to the point where we finally be like, look, stop asking about it because you're never going to watch it. You need to ask about something you could actually possibly watch and you want to know about, not ask about something that you have no business asking about. And it's it's so funny because like hearing you talk about those movies, I kind of feel like that. Like uh, I don't want to watch that. <laughs> no, know? no. But I, I'm thinking like you know the types of movies and the concepts sound interesting. But I swear it's just so hard to find find movies that that are scary movies in some way, but that don't cross a line. And the thing is, is you can't undo it. You know, if if I pick up a movie that's like, oh, I want to see a scary ghost movie. And I pick one up that gets like too horrific. Guess what? I'm not gonna unsee what happened, you know? No, yeah. So yeah. it's um it's a fine line. And I, I was just thinking about that because I was thinking about with him how he's curious about creepy things. He loves Halloween. He loves all holidays, but he loves Halloween. He's curious about creepy things, but what things are acceptable, you know? Yeah. Um so, like, he, uh, w- one of the ones that he can watch that he's been watching for a few years is The Nightmare Before Christmas. That's exactly there. Yeah. Like, yeah. you watch that and you're thinking about it through your kids' eyes. There's some stuff that's pretty creepy in that. Oh, yeah. Um, he, there's this new type of Lego set called The Flip Side, I think is what it's called. And it's, um, like a, a Lego, it's their own property. It's not a licensed thing. And it's this, these kind of like, creepyish play sets with ghosts and stuff like that. And it's pretty cool how they do it. There's an app that you can use to actually like play app games based around um your Lego set. So it kind of adds another element to it. Uh so we kind of found out more about these because my nephew um his birthday is coming up and like all he ever wants is Legos. So his his mom sent me a list of different kinds of Lego sets. And, um, I got him one of the sets and then got him one of these flip side sets for one for his birthday and one for Christmas a little bit further down the road. And so we were looking, I was like, these are kind of interesting. And Sammy was looking at them and they had like a big display set up at Target where you could see some of the bigger sets and he was kind of excited about it. And then, uh, he got, uh, he got like five bucks from his grandma in a card and he had a few bucks from allowance and we, we go and look at the store and he picks out this little $4 Lego set that comes in like one of those little cellophane bags. And I'm like, looking at this little $4. So I'm like, this is going to be like just scattered in his pieces within a day. Like he's going to yeah. put it together, think it's cool for a minute and then be done with it. So I was looking around one of these flip side sets at Walmart was, uh, was marked down to 16 bucks from 20. He had seven bucks in like allowance and the five bucks from his grandma and whatever. So I was like, okay. If I let him get this set, I'm, I'm more than doubling his money, but I want to see how he likes it. So I got it for him, you know, with his allowance and his, his gift money and whatever, and then I paid the difference. And um, we, got, we just got it last night, so we get home, and I get out the minifigs for him because it's too late to put together the whole set. And then today we put the set together, and he's playing with it. He plays it with it with the app some. But then after the app, like, I hear him just in there playing with it, and he just... He's having a ball with it. Yeah. 
So I was like, this is awesome. Like, this is how he can engage with the creepy stuff that he's interested in. Like, now he can actually play with it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Lego has any kind of, you know, they do cartoons. Like, they have the Ninjago cartoons. They have uh, some other ones um, that I don't remember their names. But, uh, you know, not just the the IP ones. Like, they do Lego Batman and whatever. But, like, the ones that they create. So I'm kind of hoping that they do some kind of a... a you know, Netflix series or whatever for this. That way he can watch it too. But Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, it'll be nice to give him something to get into that, you know, he has the interest in those things, but it needs to be something that's approachable from his age, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I do have a recommendation for a movie that's more along the like, like my line of, and I guess you'd call it more suspense than horror, but it's on the line of horror. Um, this is a movie that my wife turned me on two years ago called, uh, Skeleton Key. The Skeleton Key. It's got, uh, Kate Hudson, Gina Rollins, John Hurt, and, uh, Peter, uh, Sarsgaard in it. And it's more of a kind of a voodoo tale set in the South near New Orleans, that kind of thing. Um, I don't know, I don't know if it's even considered horror, but, you know, it's got enough of it that suspense, which is what I enjoy, um, psychological suspense and what's going on and that mystery element we were talking about earlier about Harrow County, um, that I, I highly recommend it. Um, so that's, that's one I can say, check out for that kind of thing. You got any kind of movie that you consider horror that you would, uh, recommend somebody to watch that doesn't actually want the gore and the, Hack slash kind of thing. <sighs> I don't know. I, you know I, I've been. I have a hard time thinking of those movies. Um, you know, one that stands out to me that's an old movie is is The Shining, you know, Jack mm-hmm, Nicholson mm-hmm. one. Even if that's not the version Stephen King likes, who cares? It was good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, I like those are the kind of horror movies that I like, but I, I feel so detached from them now. Um, my my wife has no interest in that type of movie. Like I, I we had talked before about the um the Jim Jarmusch movie. This oh yeah, one. yeah. I'm forgetting the title now. Um, I got that one. It's like oh, it's Jim Jarmusch and Tom Waits is in it. Like I mean, seeing Tom Waits in a movie, I'll watch a crappy movie if Tom yeah. Waits is in it just to see his part of it. Because oh, absolutely. Um, so I, at least I got to see him in a little bit. But as soon as it got to like the the zombie stuff where they're eating people, it's just like she was done, and yeah. I didn't really feel like going back and watching it. Uh, you know, kind of kind of limited on time. The dead don't um, die. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, Chloe Sevigny, Adam Driver, Bill Murray. I mean, you put you say Bill Murray and Tom Waits. I gotta find that. Yeah, I I might have to give it another try, but. uh yeah, the first zombie eating people scene was pretty over the top, not just with the oh. gore, but with the uh, the language that people use. Like it went from being pretty, um, pretty tame to suddenly being like really over the top with profanity and stuff in that scene. Like, yeah, like, re- not not just excessively so, but ridiculously so. You know, I mean that I think it was for comedic effect, but. Yeah. I don't know, like, crass language for comedic effect kind of turns me off. Right, right. Um, and Unless it's just done well. But when it's just, like, over-the-top profanity, it's kind of, it's not really enjoyable. Um, but, yeah, I haven't watched um, any kind of really horror, scary movies. Some of the movies have been popping in my mind, and these aren't ones that I'd necessarily recommend people to go out and watch. But just kind of 
the things that popped into my head when we were talking about. Um, do you remember Signs? Oh, yeah. 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 You know, I had a conversation Sunday with my cousin Steve. That, to him, that's the to him that's the scariest one of the scariest movies he's ever seen. For him, it, it that was horrifying. Yeah, it's, you know, it's so funny. I'm thinking of those movies in uh, uh, what was the Shyamalan, right? M Night Shyamalan was yeah. the director. Yeah. Uh, you know, he captured something pretty great with Sixth Sense, then kept on trying to chase the same thing and didn't quite deliver the same. But yeah, signs like, <coughs> excuse me. Yeah. Uh, you're you're watching it and you're when you're lost and you don't know what's going on was when it was good. You get yeah. the part where it shows like the the news footage and you get the, like the somebody barely caught a little glimpse of one of the aliens and that yeah. was so creepy. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the movie when they all come out it's not creepy anymore. Yeah, and they get defeated by water. Yeah, well, and you're like, uh, all right. Well, that movie was good until they had to end it, huh? <laughs> well, yeah. The endings are hard, I, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And M. Night Shyamalan, I think, stuck it once. Um, I, I can't say I'm a, a big fan of his. Like, I watched quite a few of his movies, and, like, they were always, like, looking back now, I mean, I, I watched, I didn't regret watching it. I enjoyed watching it when it was, you know, new, and we, we I think I actually went and saw that in the theater with my dad, and I don't know who else. But looking back now, like, man, those movies just, like, uh, they got so close to hitting something and then kind of veered off. Yeah, yeah. There was the one, uh, I can't remember the name of it now, I I think I actually watched this with my wife when we were dating, where they were, it was like kind of like an old-timey village and there was some creepy stuff going on and it turned out that they were, like, living in, like, a nature preserve in modern society. Hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. That's the village. The village, yeah, yeah. That so one. They were all that same thing. Like twist at the end. You're like, you, you get the twist. You're like, ah. But you know, for the for the majority of the movie, um, it, it had the right feel for. I mean, until it's like you said, uh, going for that big re- Alfred Hitchcockian reveal at the end, or I'm not sure about that. Yeah, yeah. You know, it doesn't always pay off, but for the most of the part, the just the way that the movie itself carried itself well because it keeps yeah. you interested in what the heck is going on yeah and it's true it's like is that suspense thing but that's, that's the difference between good suspense that like well there's suspense that is just serving its purpose of keeping you suspenseful but as soon as you know what's going on and you see everything else in context yeah you're not going to watch it again yeah but then there's the suspense where it's like you just you like the feeling of going through it you know and uh Shyamalan was just always chasing icy dead people. Like he was never going to get that again, but he just hit it so perfectly with the sixth sense where you, you look at the sixth sense and you find out what happened. You go like, Oh my God, the whole movie is more amazing. Now that I know this twist. Yeah. Yeah. Every other one of his movies, you get to the twist, like, Oh my God, this whole movie was pretty like simple. Wasn't it? Like, not so scary now that we know this little twist. Splash water on the aliens, they're dead, you know? I'm a little more forgiving. I'm, I'm a little more forgiving than you, I think, on that. But yeah, it's a. Uh, there's some. There's some. It's some of the, sometimes it's, it's some goofy letdown. I did enjoy the Bruce Willis one um, where he's the. Uh, he's unbreakable. Um, and Samuel L. Jackson is Mr. Glass, who's super fragile. And Were those Shyamalan movies? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I yeah. see. I didn't know that. I um, that is, and then the forever. two. There's two more 
in the trilogy that have been yeah. made. That I've only ever decent. seen Unbreakable, and it was forever ago. But see, that's where he went to those, and I haven't seen him in the first one forever. I've never seen it, either of the other ones, but it he wasn't chasing I see dead people with it. He was right. doing something different with it. Yeah, you know? and like yeah. that. That's the, you know the whole thing. But that's I mean when you get some fame, I mean uh, like I really like Wes Anderson. Yeah, you could easily say that like all of his movies are like chasing the same vibe, but it's really that's just what he does, you know. Yeah, that's who he is. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. When you're doing suspense, like I just I I there's a lot of like you know this like when I am pursuing entertainment, if I'm watching a movie, like I want to be entertained. That's where like I when I watched uh, the Signs or The Village, I was entertained by it. Like I didn't regret watching it. I didn't leave it going like that was a piece of crap. Mm-hmm. Um, but now looking back years later, it's kind of like, okay, this was kind of silly, like different tangent a little bit, but, uh, we've been watching, uh, family ties, oh, which yeah. is a show that I, I never watched that growing up. I knew what it, that it existed, but that's pretty much it. But, you know, I mean, Michael J. Fox is, you know, that's where he got famous, right? Yeah. Um, why? So we've been watching it. Ah, oh, that show is so hard to watch. So <laughs> hard to watch. But it's interesting because it also fits a dynamic that doesn't, like, nothing else fits that dynamic. And I don't think anything else quite ever has fit that dynamic, or at least, like, from that time on, where it was a show that was not the, the cheesy, like, just way aimed at kids, cheesy, right. um, TGIF type of family show. Yeah. No Urkel. But it was a family show. Yeah. But then watching it, like, there's certain things. Like, they'll have, um, there are two episodes. One where they, they go to, uh, Atlantic City and the mom gets into gambling and is just, like, way too good at it and is, like, spitting all the lingo and stuff. And then another one where the mom and, uh, and Alex Keaton, her son, uh, go to take a class in, like, vehicle maintenance and she's just super proficient at it. Where it's, like, uh, it's, no, nobody is like that kind of proficient in something just because they pick it up. Yeah, you know, like this kind of like savant type of thing, you know. So like those kind of episodes are just like, oh my gosh, like they're they're really hard to watch. Um, there are some other ones, but there are moments where it's just like the dynamic between the family that it actually is really good. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Just total total tangent there from what we were just talking about, but it's the same kind of thing where you look back at it, you're like, oh man, that this show. I mean, the show was super popular for a reason but you look back at it you're like ah it just is so i don't know contrived i don't know but anyways with stuff suspenseful stuff um like i'll enjoy it but it if it doesn't if the twist at the end you you see that then you never want to watch it again to me that's that's like the the cheap suspense entertainment and yeah yeah and, I'll enjoy uh, it when I'm watching it, but I also don't mind like making fun of it afterwards. I guess. Yeah. And to go back to the good suspense, that's Harrow County by Cullen Bunn and uh, yeah, by Tyler Crook. So, so instead of wasting your time on all this other stuff that we've <laughs> talked about, it's not that good. Go read Harrow County and then start picking up uh, Tales from Harrow County. I think it's this coming month. I think it's, it's November. coming up soon. I know. Um, that's, that'll be awesome. The, the library editions too. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen one of those. I had the Hellboy library editions. I ended up selling them to a friend, um, kind of trying to downsize some and I got them digitally, 
But um, the library editions are real nice. They're they're oversized. They're nicely bound. They're they're good. Um, so those are worth checking out. Um, Gideon Falls. I talked about that a bit. That's a series that's really worth checking out. Yeah, um, yeah. I think that's the the key for me is if I want to experience horror, is pretty much going to be in comic book form. Yeah. Plus, yeah. I need, you you really do get a better feel for what what lengths it's going to go to. Like, there's stuff I w- I won't touch, but I clearly know it's something that I don't want to touch, and I you know I appreciate that it's not for me. Um. So yeah, that's I guess that's where I get my horror nowadays is comics. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good place to get it because you can put it down and just close it and put it away and don't have to go any farther if it's too much for you or anything. But, uh, yeah. you know, speaking of Cullen Bunn, he has a, sh- he does a podcast with his wife called a bungalow. I don't know if you ever listened to it. He's, he's a, he's a, he's a funny guy and he talks about, about some of his projects he's working on. He can't really talk a lot about stuff coming up. So he keeps that secret, but he can talk about some stuff and, the things he likes, but but the real joy, the real star of the show is his wife. She's hilarious. <laughs> she is hilarious. She she must keep him, you know, on his toes all the time. And uh, th- that's a fun. They're fun to listen to, and it's fun to hear him because he does get in a little bit into what he's working on, but not like I said not too much. Mostly, it's just about their life, you know, going to conventions and things like that. Yeah, I've wanted to check that out. I don't listen to very many podcasts. No, um, no, I know you that, didn't. That's one that's been on my radar to, you know, at some point I'll want to just dive into something new for a little bit and I'll check it out. But, uh, yeah, it, yeah, it really is true. Everybody has that podcast nowadays. It's funny how many, um, comic creators are just starting to make podcasts because they want to. And it just, it's it's funny. It's like everybody really does when you know Colin Bunn has one, um, uh, Donnie Cates has one. Does he really? I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, I've seen him mention it on Twitter. Um, I think it's him and uh, I'm blanking on his name. The the guy who does the art for Venom. Okay, um, I'll check that out. Ryan Stegman. I, I think they'll do podcasts together sometimes. Like the comic shop I go to has a podcast. The first comic shop I go you know went to has a podcast. I, everybody has a podcast nowadays, so it really is like turning into, uh, you know, almost what blogging pretty was, much. Where just like everybody would have a blog, and nobody's blog is worth reading. Pretty That's much not true with, with podcasts, there are podcasts that are worth listening to. Oh, but, definitely, yeah. Um, it gives the perspective on my part for just like just like I mean, we just do it because we enjoy doing it, and for yeah, no other reason, yeah, yeah. Um, my dream. If you find for- one that you like, then that's just awesome. My dream creator podcast would be Lemire and Kent <laughs> sitting down once a month and having a chit chat about something or other that they're both interested. It doesn't have to be about the comics. Uh, that that would be really fun. We should we yeah. should uh, put a bug in their ear for that. Yeah, I've I've interviewed both of them, and um, Lemire was like kind of business, um, but knowing what I know of his personality, it makes sense. Like. Uh, He's, uh, I believe he's more introverted and stuff. So when he's going oh, yeah. doing stuff, it's for a purpose, you know, that, that's, yeah. that, yeah. that's fine. You know, it was enjoyable still, but Kent was just like such a pleasure to, to talk to. Like you definitely get a different vibe. He has that kind of laid back vibe. He was in my fantasy football league for a couple of years, just like out of the blue. And, um, it was pretty cool. I remember, uh, another podcaster before we did our interview with Kent said that, um, 
he wasn't the most exciting guest. I I thought he was a great guest because he's just easy to talk to. He's he seemed to. to. That's what I loved yeah. about listening to it. Yeah, I remember that interview and some others I've heard with him. He's really good. Just down he's to earth, just a matter of fact. You know, he's not trying to really sell you on anything. He'll, you ask him a question, he'll give you the answer. You know, um, from what I've heard. So, yeah. Huge tangent here. Yeah. Have you ever watched Bob Ross? No. Don't think so. I had never watched Bob Ross either, the painter, like the Happy Little Trees guy. Oh wait, oh wait, you threw me for a loop. I'm thinking Bob Ross yeah. is that a comedian? No, definitely. Yeah, my wife and I. <laughs> sometimes we'll we'll sit down and just watch three or four of them in a row. Just uh, I to- have never watched Bob Ross in my life. Yeah, I've seen Saturday Night Live skits about Bob Ross, stuff like that. I've never once watched Bob Ross. The other day we go to, um, my wife's grandpa is in, uh, uh, it's not the hospital. It's like this, uh, kind of extended care place. Uh, yeah, he's an older fella. He needs to have a surgery and they, um, they have to run, you know, like get some medication in his system first. And, uh, he's, uh, he's a big guy. So, um, uh, like they need, he needed somebody there to, to be able to help him and take care of him, uh, yeah. because, um, his uh, significant other can't do it on her own. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, anyways, we go to visit, and he has like this little TV there, like you know, nice setup and everything, nice place. And so he he says, you know, tells me to find cartoons for Sammy. So I'm looking around, not finding any, and then I stumble upon Bob Ross. And my wife says Sammy likes watching Bob Ross. So I stop it there. And man, I was tired that day too. I was it was a Sunday. I was off on Sunday. It was it was Sunday, but I was I was beat from the week. I was exhausted. And I just was zoning out watching Bob Ross. It was the most pleasant damn thing. So Bob Ross is so relaxing and soothing, and just watching him do that little tiny. Let's put a little birdie there. Let's a little put yeah. up another little birdie by him, so he'll have a friend. You know the thing though is, I had always had the impression that it was kind of um, cheesy hippie-ish kind of thing, you know. Like, uh, I mean, that's the way he's kind of made fun of, like on Saturday Night Live or whatever. Yeah, parody, yeah. This is a better way to put it. Um, but watching him, he's very soothing, but he, it's not like, it's not in a cheesy way. It's not like, uh, like he's just, like it comes off very genuine. I think and, it's just, like, it's not also, for effect. It's just who he is. Yeah. Or was. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that, that's what was just so pleasant about watching it is he's just being himself and it's just so soothing. He's like one of those personalities that and you, you talk to some people and it's like they have a, a confidence and a control and you know in who they are and how they talk to you and they're so genuine mm-hmm. that it just puts you so much at ease and that that's what i got out of bob ross it's not the you know he's making a pretty landscape that's easy to look at he's talking in a soothing voice but it's like all yeah. those other things too like it just makes you feel a sense of comfort yeah i just yeah. blown away by that i just uh, I think it's funny that I've literally gone 36 years without once actually seeing Bob Ross until the other day. Well, you've gained something because you 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 at least you you've done it at least by age 36. You didn't have to wait another few years because yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. There's something enjoyable about sitting there and listening to him and watching him. And you know, funny when we got into watching, we spent a couple of days just like watching Bob Ross. One just to watch his technique because he had an, he had his own technique that he'd actually get learned from another guy that way he paints, you know. I guess you could say it's gimmicky or whatever, whatever. 
every technique that somebody develops is kind of has a gimmick to it, I suppose. He has a fa- way of making these landscape paintings really quick. But at the same time, he became a huge success. Huge success. And at the time when he became a huge success, um, he had that permed afro hair kind of thing right uh, and yeah. one of the regrets was that, that became like his trademark so he ended up selling paint supplies and paint how-to books and stuff like that and that was like part of it his he was the image for he was the trademark for <laughs> all that stuff and I, if i'm if i'm not misunder misled or misremembering what i read is like one of his biggest regrets was he he just never was allowed to cut his hair to do it a different way after you know that is one of the th- it's a funny side note on that but we should wrap it up here pretty soon we've hit over an hour and it's uh going well but I, I'm gonna have to go check yeah. on things I think Bob Ross is a good way to wrap it up so let's call it an evening heck yeah so yeah everybody ch- definitely check out Harrow County we were both very excited about that uh, and really enjoyed it um, thank you to Ronnie and and uh, Travis, and I know there were other people who talked it up uh, to us. Uh, and, you know, things come at the right time, and then you are able to enjoy them all the more. You know, it's like the, the Michael Myers uh, mentality with reading. Read what, you, read what you want to, so that way you enjoy it the most. Um, yeah, so you can hit us up on Twitter. I'm at Who's Paul. Sparky is at MD Sparkman. Um, you can check out our uh, other podcasts. Uh, uh, what's the website, Sparky? 143podcast.com. Um, one podcast I'll recommend. Joey's got this music memory podcast. Third one just dropped. And he's, he, uh, it's a really fun one. I really enjoy the heck out of that one. Um, he might need to get you on there, share some music memories that you've had. Um, yeah, he he's asked to me to talk be on to me. at some yeah. point. I'm gonna. I actually jumped on. He was doing something on um, uh, on Saturday, the, like the Halloween Comic Fest. You know, comic shops uh-huh, were giving uh-huh. away, you know, comics for the kids. And um, he had texted me. And when I got off work, I texted him. I was like, it was hours later. I was like, if if you want me for a few minutes, I got a few minutes. Uh, so I ended up uh, pulling over on the way home and talking with him for a few minutes, doing his thing. Um, I. I'm not exactly sure what it was, uh, to be completely honest. Um, uh, I got the impression it might have been like a live uh, YouTube thing. But anyways, it was just, you know, it was nice chatting with him for a few minutes, talking about, uh, you know, Halloween comics, pretty much. So anyways, check out Joey's stuff, 143podcast.com. Yeah, there's that. There's his big two and his Elizabeth and Joey show. And yeah, fun stuff. And us. And uh, there's not much else there right now, but maybe someday, or maybe I'll just kill the whole thing. Who sees? We'll see. <laughs> yeah, next time we'll talk about Super Wolf. I ordered uh, oh, the, yeah, the God, I record. Can, I could talk to you a long time about Bonnie Prince Billy. Yeah, I just love that yeah. that whole album. So yeah, Sammy likes the Super Wolves, as he says. Yeah. Talk <laughs> about soothing. Go back to Bob Ross. That's another... I can just not even pay attention to anything. I can just listen to Matt Sweeney's guitar all day long and it puts me in a better frame of mind. Something about the the melodic nature of the way he did that. Um, yeah, we'll save that though for next time. <laughs> Sneak preview. Have a good night. Have a good night. <laughs>